are getting a little bit ugly out there. Give them them all a cookie and make them settle down. We know uh, we live somewhere that's far too cold. When we get excited that the temperature rises from about negative 37 Celsius to about negative 10 Celsius because the snow gets a little bit softer and easier to walk on. And the air doesn't hurt your face as much. I actually almost left the house without a coat today. It's negative four right now. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's downright balmy. I know. The I had my uh, I had to open my window wider last night because <laughs> it was a, it was warmer than what I had what we've been used to. This whole polar vortex thing has just been. It's like being kicked in the face with a boot that's been covered in ice and sludge. And then just like the whole bottom of the boot just like flush on your nose every step you take outside. Accurate. Although Polar Vortex sounds like it's either a really awful action movie or a really good Disney movie. It's actually the new Seattle NHL team name. The Seattle Polar Vortex. Vortices, if you will. I'm down for that. No, or they'll take the Maple Leafs approach and they're the Seattle Polar Vortexes. Mm. You know, it's an old regiment from... uh, from... The Seattle polar region. Uh, Evan's watching a video right now of this dumb bench brawl in uh, Canadian University Hockey. I saw that. The commentary is better, but um, for sake of keeping this at least somewhat kid-friendly, we cannot play the audio. No. What better demonstration that hockey players are the biggest meathead idiots in the world than that video? Just stupid people doing stupid stuff. In college, <laughs> in, co- in yeah, in college, like in university, ah, uh, that's why there's always like a little part of me that just kind of like cringes, but smirks at the same time when someone's like, "Oh, this hockey player is expected to be a role model." I'm like, this guy was a meathead goon who probably bullied kids all through high school until he made the show. Like, no, he's not a role model. He's just really good at playing hockey. Not all of them, mind you. Some, but uh, for sure, some of them are not good people. <laughs> the The best way to know is to play hockey and, and grow up playing hockey and being around those people in a dressing room. Well, that- we we were even talking about it on the way to pick up last week. Uh, how just as soon as we hit in the dr- dressing room, it's like I just it's like there's. 37 words in my vocabulary mm-hmm. that completely escape my memory until I step into a hockey arena. Oh, yeah. And then everybody's a duster, a plug. Yeah. Everything. It's but bad. I never say bud until I'm on the ice. <laughs> I never once say bud until I'm talking to someone else in a dressing room with skates on my feet. And every third word's a curse word. Yes, absolutely. The the people are like, oh, well, you think you're better than them? No, I, I was one of them. I was also one of those shitty people. I know what this is. If you're a hockey player, you are objectively a bad person until you get out of that dressing room. And then your decisions are yours again. But up until then, it's not really up to you. It's Gen- just part of the territory. Generally, any high-level minor hockey player in Canada speaks three languages. English, broken French, and profanity. Yeah. Two of those are fluent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Depending on the player. We don't know which two. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. Oh, hi, I'm Evan. Yeah. Sorry. There he is. <laughs> I like that little dramatic pause here because how many times we've paused when Evan wasn't here? Mm-hmm. And then everybody's like, oh, they're making that same joke again. Got him. Yeah, they actually, that probably threw a couple people off. Um, <laughs> on today's episode, uh, hockey's back. The Red Wings have played a couple games. Um, 
and we'll talk about those. Um, there have been a few trades around the league leading up to uh, some bigger narratives possibly to come as we approach the trade deadline. Um, and then later, before sometime, during overtime, after overtime, we'll see. Uh, we actually have a surprise for Brad's wife. She's upstairs, so I don't want her to hear us. It's a surprise for Brad's wife, Crystal. It's her birthday. And so she thinks she's coming down here to talk about Ken Holland. That'll be later, though. We will get our commentary on that because it's sure to be crass and hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so topic one, the Detroit Red Wings. Back from the All-Star break, well-rested, uh, had a back-to-back. Uh, man, they have a back-to-back and then they don't play again until Thursday. It's like they don't want us to have content. <laughs> it's like they want to keep us at the bottom of the standings. Uh, Detroit played Toronto uh, on Friday, February 1st in what was I actually thought was a pretty good showing by the Red Wings. It was. It was also an extremely poor showing from the Leafs. But Oh, yeah. It was a uh, most notable event that night, according to Sportsnet and NHL and everyone, is, of course, Jake Muzzin's first game as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Because these games are always Detroit. Always. If, if there's something that dramatic that happens with the team, whether it's your future franchise goalie like Carter Hart coming up to start his first NHL game, um, you are coming off your GM absolutely blasting your superstars, Tyler Sagan or Jamie Benn or whatever it might be. The next game is always Detroit. Um, a, a side story, I guess, if you care about hockey was that uh, it was a retirement or a number retirement ceremony for Red Kelly. But I guess that's not as important as Jake Muzzin. <laughs> Top 10 Red Wing of all time, Red Kelly, according to the host of the Winged Wheel podcast. We had him at, yeah, we'll just say Top 10. We'll say Top 10. Spoilers, Patreons know yeah. for our Patreon-only episode, for those of you who are wondering where the hell the, the midweek episode was. Oh, yeah, I forgot this is our first episode back from that. That was yeah. a fun, that was genuinely... If you're on the fence, that episode was one. Like I'm not even. I'm not gooning you. I'm not butting you here. That was some of the most fun we've had recording an episode. I've never seen Evan get heated on a podcast before. No, <laughs> Evan went to bat for a few guys there. Yeah, I was. <laughs> what I do? I was not expecting that at all. Um, so Red Kelly's number uh, was retired, and and our minds long overdue. Um, the whole ceremony actually kind of took a while. The game didn't start for how long? Like eight fifteen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways. Worthwhile. What's another? What's another couple ten minutes after it's he retired like sixty years ago? Yeah, so that was uh, it. Was good to see, and especially in an important game, uh, because Red Kelly was essentially as much a Toronto Maple Leaf, if not more so, as he was a Detroit Red Wing. Shut your mouth. <laughs> He's a Red Wing. He's ours. Um, that game, uh, Detroit or Toronto, really didn't have a good showing, and the pure catharsis that came on Twitter, watching everyone lose their minds. Um, the reality of it is that Toronto's a significantly better team that should have shown up way more. Detroit put up a good fight, and, and you know they earned their win, but if Toronto could have put two and two together that game, that should have been an easy one. Um, Detroit did have the very Detroit-esque let Toronto score far too late to tie up the game. Detroit, I, I literally cannot remember a game off the top of my head where outside of last night now where Detroit successfully held a third-period lead. That mm, yeah, was not... It's it's om- I would legitimately say like there's probably a forty five percent chance now any given night they'll blow their lead. It, it's funny because I I know it's not true and it, it always feels overblown, but I legitimately can remember more games where Detroit came back from a third period deficit to win the game than they have 
hold, just holding a third period lead. Sure, they've won some of those games in overtime where they blew a third period lead, but still, it's, it's horrifying. It's actually, it's actually better for the tank for them to be doing this. Because yeah. there's an off chance that they lose that point, and you give someone else a point, not like Toronto would ever affect their lottery standings. Um, but if we're talking actual hockey, this is a point of concern. It's kind of been one for the past few years. Um, when you're a team that's actually making a real run for it, and I'm saying like when this team gets to the point where they can be competing for a playoff spot, wins like there's no more talk of this tank. This will hopefully be a thing of the past. Um, the loss of leads late in the game so consistently is what separates wildcard teams and teams that can win playoff series with you know people who are going to be on the outside of the bubble people are going to be stuck in 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 purgatory and mediocrity and you have their fans clamoring oh well they only lost they lost like 14 of their games by one goal. That means they could have swung either way all season, which is this weird fallacy. I've been actually seeing a lot of people preach about the Red Wings, and I understand the logic behind it. Like, I don't think you're a crazy person for saying those things, but a goal is a goal. Um, a lot of times, one goal games are not nearly as close as what the score, the stat sheet says, and all the rest of the times, it doesn't really matter because if you're back a goal or you're giving up that goal, it still means you're bad enough to lose the game. It does not make it. You can't just split all of those one goal games and say, "Oh well, Detroit if they won half of them." All right, if Detroit was a better team, if they scored more goals, if Jimmy Howard wasn't fourth in the league in five on five save percentage, yeah. That's the reason most of these one-goal games are happening. Oh, is absolutely. Jimmy is keeping them in it. And being propped up by whatever line combination that night is actually put together properly and is putting out a good effort. Do you know the Nyquist Bertuzzi Larkin line since January 1st has a Corsi 4 of over 60%? The whole line? That's insane. Holy shit. 60%. That's like elite levels of puck control <laughs> and shot share in the NHL. That That's a legitimate first NHL line. <laughs> I just had to smack Kevin. <laughs> There's a Gillette commercial going on next to me. Just scratching the hell out of his beard. I'm so itchy. <laughs> the Winged Wheel Podcast, sponsored by Not Gillette. No, I need it though. Yeah, if you guys could, that'd be great. Yeah, thank you. Um, the, the, Jake Muzzin had a Corsi 4 of what, 63 in his game against the Penguins, so. Uh, if you're so saying, they're going to boo him soon. Yeah, if you're saying that line is almost as good as Jake Muzzin is, then... Wow. Yeah. That is. The uh, the Jake Muzzin trade, and we'll get to that, was actually, I think, a great trade for Toronto. Um, and all the talk around it was significant and warranted because, you know, it's a big trade that happened. It's probably the closest thing we've had to a blockbuster all season. Um, but the fallout analysis of it, because it came... They had to wait so long for him to play a game... And just like 17 articles a day on Jake Muzzin, I was just like, oh, sweet hell. You're going to burn these people up before he even touches the ice. It's true. Uh, the Red Wings' next game was against uh, Ottawa. Well, the first game, sorry, the first game against Toronto ended, as everyone predicted, uh, in overtime with um, Danny DeKaiser scoring the winning goal. Yes. Which, of course, it's just the age-old tale of Danny DeKaiser scoring the game-winning goal. Um, which, which was... Nice to see because, again, he, he's been pretty strong this year, but he was the main reason the Leafs tied it in the last couple minutes with his giveaway there and his indecision but with the puck behind the net. Why do you got to ruin his fun, Brad? 
Hey, I said he made up for it. Um, the real story, though, is Nyquist played out of his mind that night. Nyquist and Athanasiu had really oh. strong games. Um, I sent out a tweet that uh, got a got a lot of reaction because um, watching Nyquist play, I, I threw out the point: if we're trading Nyquist at the deadline for anything less than a first round pick, it's probably more value to the franchise to keep him. I agree. I I know my my keenness on trading him before was. Now, I'm not going to say overstated because I stand by it, but this guy is a first-round – like, he he warrants a first-round pick. He's playing out of his mind. He might hit 70 points this year. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying, yeah, but he's not going to hold that production up forever. And no, and that's why you don't sign him to a five, six, seven, eight-year contract. If he's unwilling to sign a three- or a four-year contract with Detroit, then absolutely you jettison, jettison off jettison him off for a second or a third round pick if you can't get a first but if he is willing to sign a contract that's in the range of four years anywhere from four to six million a year you keep him what what's how much can a guy decline in four years what's it so the last year you're paying six million dollars at most for a guy who's going to put up 45 to 50 points that's not great, but you're probably still getting two to three really good years out of it. Remember that Max Boltman article where they broke down where Detroit's biggest holes are in three years where um, Detroit, in order for Detroit to be a contender in Larkin's window? One of them was a second-line winger. Hmm. Gus Nyquist plays winger and right now on a first line. So if his regression is to a second-line winger, I mean, I'm not saying that there is not risk involved in extending him. I absolutely understand the risk. But I don't understand um, the people who are doubting that he should get a first back. They're like, well, this isn't the Tatar trade where you're always going to like rob them. No, it's not. But also, like, Nyquist is a great example of someone who actually deserves a first. If you could tell me that that Nashville, you went up to, to David Poyle and said, hey, Give me a first-round pick, and I will grant your team 70 more points of offense a year. He'll take that deal. I guarantee you there is such a market for players like Nyquist. The only thing holding it back this year is it's a weird year where there seem to be one to seven guys, all of whom could fit that niche and, and who could be had at different prices. And as good as Nyquist is, and for teams who are looking for top six forwards, he's probably behind Mark Stone. Matt Duchesne, um, Wayne Simmons, although I think Nyquist is a better player than Wayne Simmons, but the general consensus is Wayne Simmons is going to garner more interest. Michael Furland, Matt Zuccarello, Kevin Hayes. Nyquist might be a lot of teams' sixth choice right now for a top six forward. I'm not saying he should be number six on that list, but he sure as hell isn't in the top two. So at best, he's going to be team's third choice. So as much as objectively he's worth a first-round pick, the market may dictate he's not worth a first-round pick. In which case, I say, yeah, hang on to him. And again, people have to understand, the teams that are going to be trading for Nyquist, their second-round pick is not going to be pick 35. Their pick is going to be like pick 58. Overall odds of players drafting the second round to become NHL regulars is somewhere in the 40 to 50% range. 
And that number goes down the deeper you get into the second round. So would I rather take four more years of guaranteed to be at least decent Gus Nyquist or take a 40% chance of maybe getting a guy who's a regular in the lineup? And again, that 40% is just a guy who plays 200 games in the NHL. That could be as a bottom pairing defenseman or a fourth line winger. Again, when you're rebuilding... You want as many lottery balls in the hopper. So the more picks you get, of course, the more likely one of these long shots is to pan out. But at the same time, when you're... It's not like we're trading a 34-year-old veteran who you know doesn't have many good years left and this is his last kick at the can. This is an asset that can still be useful for a bunch more years. How many years? Again, we don't know. Nyquist had the, his insanely hot start to his NHL career, dipped off for a couple of years, and has come back the last couple, especially this year. I'm just saying we know there's value to be had there. We don't know there's value to be. Like if it's a Nick Jensen who is objectively playing out of his mind right now, but if you look at the his career trajectory, I don't think he's anything more than a four or five defenseman on a good team. You trade him. You look at Jimmy Howard, who is, what, 35 years old now? Yeah, he doesn't have that many good years left. If there's value there, you trade him for a second or a third round, whatever. Trevor Daly, old. You trade him for whatever. Nyquist isn't in that same scenario. Okay, so I'm, I still trade him if the return's a first. Because now the odds in the lottery hopper are way up. You are you're more likely to get a usable NHL player there than you are not. Joe Valeno was a 30th pick. But anything later than that, you really have to start exploring the options of, okay, there's probably more value to keep them. Um, the Red Wings then played the Sens the night after, and DeKaiser, not skipping a beat, scored the first goal. Uh, which turned out to be the game winner. Yep. Uh, which is nothing win for which which is the first time since Anders Ericsson in the mid-90s has the Detroit Red Wings defenseman scored game-winning goals on back-to-back days. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, that's fun. Um, they had the breakfast break with Nick Jensen, and his guilty pleasure is Rick and Morty. Oh, look at that. Yeah, Aww. there you go, Ryan. You trade him be, immediately. You actually have to be a pretty highly intelligent to understand Rick and Morty. <laughs> yes, a savant. Um, the, then explain to me Nick Jensen's poor puck decisions, Ryan. Oh, uh, instead I'll just talk about um, the Red Wings' upcoming schedule, which is no games until Thursday um, at 7.30 against Vegas. And so, well, we're going to have to drum up some content here. Um, the We'll aim for a guest. Yeah. The Red Wings are currently sitting 27th out of 31 teams in the NHL. Um New Jersey and L.A. and Ottawa all have fewer games played than Detroit. I believe, yeah, New Jersey is the only one who could technically pass them. So, really, Detroit could be as low as fourth last, but for right now, they're fifth last. Uh, for those who care about the lottery standings, Larkin is injured. One to two weeks, I think. With is a it? strained oblique. Strained oblique. And oblique's a strange muscle. Let's use one to two weeks as a very rough timeline. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, this kind of could, an unknown. He might be back in two games. He might be back in a month. Do not hold your breath either way. Uh, Hronik, stay down. Uh, we, <laughs> we've been bamboozled. We've been had. 
when Hronik went down, it was... It was right before the All-Star break. The Red Wings were off for 10 days. It was like, everyone calm down. It's nothing, whatever. And then Jeff Blash... The same Jeff Blashill who sat Chalosky... Uh, for Hironic. For Hironic, because Hironic needed to get back in the lineup, and Chalosky could not play in front of his family and friends for the first time. Um, he kept Hironic in Grand Rapids. This franchise is stupid. So uh, It's a rebuilding year, and we're taking a guy who is excelling at the NHL and is young and put him back anytime, in Grand Rapids. Anytime we seem confident in what we're doing, just remember this moment. Because <laughs> we have been, we were had. We got... Blash boozled. Uh, Ken Holland uh, has set the record for the most wins uh, as an NHL GM for the Detroit Red Wings. Neat. Yeah. He's the most, he's the winningest Detroit Red Wings GM in history. That's what Neat. the record was, right? Yeah. Yeah. About to happen. Congrats, Ken. Well deserved. There we go. That should cool off the haters for roughly 32 and a half minutes. Oh, yeah. It doesn't change much for me, Brad. You know that. Yeah, no, and uh, no, I just figure that it's about thirty minutes till we get Crystal down here. So, uh, okay. Um, there were a few trades. We're going to first um, the Jake Muzzin trade. So the Maple Leafs uh, traded with the LA Kings. The Leafs got Jake Muzzin, uh, left left-handed defenseman, or sorry, left shoot. Yeah, left-handed defenseman. Yes, he's a lefty. Um, in exchange for Carl Grundstrom, the rights to uh, Sean Dursey and Toronto's first-round pick this year. So all Toronto all, is out of the Nick Jensen sweepstakes now? Yes. No, they are still very much in it. But No, no, they're out of it. We need the first. Yeah, I'm not kidding. for Nick Jensen, no chance. Uh, yeah, so the, it was a little bit surprising because Muzzin, high-caliber defenseman in my mind, really good get the wrong side. Um, but if you're confident that you can scheme and, and move your players around to make that work, then... I, I think for the value that they got Muzzin for, it was a great deal for them. My favorite thing that happened was after the trade, again, with everything being overanalyzed to death, people were very happy because apparently the plan was to play Jake Muzzin with Morgan Riley. Even though Jake Muzzin's never played the right side in his career, hey, it's not that hard of a transition, and Morgan Riley's a great defenseman. It's It's not the worst move in the world, which I agree with. And they were all happy because it was like getting they were getting Ron Hainsey off the first pairing and jettisoning him down to the third pairing. Yeah. That didn't even last all the way through the Red Wings game in typical Mike Babcock fashion. Yeah. Welcome to Mike Babcock, Toronto. This never ends. <laughs> Legitimately never ends. Jeff Blashill wasn't the first player to play abdicated on the first line. I want you to just remember that. Um, Ugh. The the anger around Babcock, and we've even had some Leafs fans coming into Red Wings territory, going, "Is this like? Was this how he was like?" The answer is yes, always yes. This is just how he is. He's a good old school hockey boy who who loves his his grit and his grinding and his hard work and his his heart and soul. And so, and his veteran presence. For some reason, Ron Hainsey gets a pass. I love watching Ron Hainsey on the first pairing because it's hysterical. <laughs> I it's just slow motion train wrecks left and right. Yes, uh, and this entirely fast NHL now. Let's continue to put the big slow defenseman. It's like imagine first pairing defenseman Jonathan Erickson. Now I'm not saying Ron Hainsey is as bad as Jonathan Erickson. He is not, but this is the equivalent if if Detroit were actually good. <laughs> this would be the equivalent. Uh, in any case, Jake Muzzin is. Um is a good asset. I think that's great value from Kyle Dubas. Um, it makes sense for LA as well. They're not 
going to do anything anytime soon and they need to start rebuilding. Um, Jersey is not a bad prospect at all. Not a guarantee by any means, but hey, lottery balls in the hopper. Same yeah. thing goes with prospects. Grundstrom won't ever be more than a third line player, but hey, you still need players on your third and fourth line. And of course, that first first round pick. David Pasternak was picked in the 20s. Kuznetsov was picked in the 20s. First round pick's a first round pick. Yep, exactly. And so. that pick could be realistically anywhere from 22 to 31. So, um, it's, it's Is a, Seattle going to participate in this upcoming draft? No, because they're not going to be the NHL next year. No, but I thought maybe they could. No, it's only the year before you play. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, another trade that happened was between uh, Florida and Pittsburgh. Uh, so the Penguins traded uh, former Red Wing Riley Shahan, uh, Broussard, and a second and a fourth round pick. So four assets there to uh, both those picks in 2019 to Florida in exchange for Bukestad and McCann. So isn't that not the all-time trade for underperformers? Yeah. Um, it's a funny one. So speaking philosophically, I know a lot of Penguins fans are maybe not as thrilled about this because a second or fourth round pick in addition to two assets. Um, I've seen a lot of we shouldn't be mortgaging futures. Uh, this this cycle won't last forever. Jim Rutherford sometimes makes moves that aren't the greatest. This guy's won cups, and so in my mind, he has a license to, to for a little bit of, of to take a little bit of heat. But my thinking. If you have two of the best centermen to ever play hockey anywhere in the world on your team at the same time, you mortgage as many features as you can to maximize their potential for success. You were in your window for as long as they exist. They, Your team will literally never be this good again. You will never have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin on your team at the same time ever, ever, ever again. Do it. If you're going to keep mortgaging futures... Fine, do it. Was this the best way to do it? I'm probably not smart enough to know that. Um, is this a high-impact move? No. Does it help the team? I'm sure Jim Rutherford thinks so. Um, well, they only pull, they pulled Broussard and Shahan off their roster and put on Bukestad and McCann. That's probably an upgrade, especially considering they were looking to move Broussard anyway to clear up a roster spot and some cap space. Yeah, it's the second and the fourth that got people up in arms. Yeah, and Shahan, hey, he's up to seven goals this year, so it's a career year for him. Uh, oh, man, that guy needs to find a way to utilize that shot more. Yeah, and, um, and right now it's already being stated that... Uh, Florida intends to flip to Broussard again before the deadline, so who knows if he even ever plays a game for them. I'm not sure what they're going to do there. Um, I I know most of the conversation around this trade has revolved around Pittsburgh. That's not the interesting part here for me. The interesting part is that Florida has already publicly said, their, their GM, Dale Talon, has already said, yes, this was a way to free up cap space so we can be aggressive in free agency. Now, Elliot Friedman has already linked... In rumors before this trade that Florida was going to be heavily in pursuit of Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky. This just adds to that theory. Yeah, that is actually huge. To clear up that cap space to take a, an aggressive run at Artemi Panarin. Um, and Sergei Bobrovsky. Because let's not forget, Florida's biggest issue this year has been goaltending. So it's no secret that those guys have at least a foot out the door um, in some capacity. Our Temi Panarin's agent has made it publicly known that they've informed Columbus management that they're only willing to talk about a possible future with the team after the season. Translation, he gone. If you're Columbus, 
just trade them, right? You have to trade them. Well, here's the thing. Columbus has been kind of in and out of first place in the Metro all year. They could make a run this year. Do I think they're a cup favorite? No. But, I mean, at some point you have to go for it. Teams in their position trade for rentals at this time of year. Those are basically self-owned rentals. That being said, Columbus picked a really interesting time to go on a six-game losing streak. (laughs) So this could go a lot of ways. Had that six-game losing streak not occurred and they were still, like, in first place in the Metro, I'd say absolutely keep them both and just make your run. Columbus in franchise history has never won a playoff series. Ever. You have to give your fans something at some point, right? Washington's on their cup hangover. Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh. The Islanders, there's no way they're actually this good. Columbus has a chance to win a round or two this year very legitimately. I don't know if I can say that for sure anymore. Because I think their best bet is to win the division and not have to play Pittsburgh or Washington in the first round. Get one of the wild card teams. Get the Canadians or whoever. If I'm Columbus, I'm saying Toronto, Tampa Bay, Washington. Teams I'm I'm not going to get past in the playoffs. Uh, they're a good team. They definitely have a chance at winning their division. But this likely isn't their year. Year right? Like okay, statistically speaking, no. The the smart rational decision here is to trade both of them for the best return and move on. But again, not everything is just numbers on a page or whatever. Again, we have to look at the circumstance in Columbus. As I mentioned, this team has never won a playoff series. They have a very good chance to do that this year. Could you imagine if we were Blue Jackets fans or the Red Wings were in the same situation? And we're sitting here looking at our very good hockey team just to have them blown up at the deadline. Yeah, but it, this is kind of atypical, right? Like, both these guys are, like, they're out the door. This is a very unique circumstance that we probably will not see again. But again, Columbus is not a market where they can afford to have the fan base turned on them. And again, any knowledgeable hockey fan would look at this scenario and go... Yeah, no, I get it. I'm I don't like it. It sucks, but whatever. I get it. It's for the long-term good of the team. You have to realize most of the people who watch the games on TV and most of the people who pay for tickets on the in the arena are not what you would call diehard hockey fans. They're casual fans that they'll watch the games, they'll go to the games, but they don't really pay much attention to the team in between. They will not understand why the team is selling off two of the best players in this circumstance. Sure, they'll hear like the odd news report and yada, yada, yada. But again, even look at us Detroit fans. How much of the fan base is just in love with guys like Luke Lendenning and Justin Ablocator and Darren Helm and yada, 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 and would be visibly angry if we traded any of them or waived any of them? Those are the fans that you have to keep in mind pay a significant portion of the team's revenue. They have to factor this stuff in. And it sucks. And it leads to teams making poor decisions. When you get objectively focused on arbitrary things that don't help the long-term future of the team, that's how you end up with the Eric Coles and the David Legwans of the world. This is just the inverse for Columbus. 
The hardest choices require the strongest wills, Brad. I agree. If I'm Columbus's GM, I'm trading them both. But I understand if they don't. Um, the last trade, which wasn't really like a super impactful one, um, Dallas acquired uh, Jimmy Alexiak from the Penguins for a 2019, four, 2019 fourth round pick. Cool. Barn. Barn Buster. What do you call that? Barn. When was the last time a player got traded back to a team that traded him to the team? That happens often. For the same amount, right? Yeah. Probably. Uh, it's Former like, first round pick, Jamie Alexiak. It's like CJ Spiller getting cut and re signed by, um, was it the Bills? Did they do that? No. Chiefs. Someone kept doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the trade market is opening up a little bit. Panarin and Bobrovsky are obviously going to dominate those talks. Stone and Duchesne. Last update was, uh, I, I think it was Friedman again, is betting on both them being traded now. Yeah, I would imagine the same. It's You have an owner who doesn't want to spend money, and you have two guys who not only are worth money that the owner doesn't want to spend, you have to overpay them considering the circumstances of the team. You have a ton of cap space, you, you're not really paying anyone else, and the, these guys are shouldering more than just you know their responsibilities as hockey players they're shouldering the entire organization because it's been an absolute tire fire you have to you have to pay those guys and it's more than eight years eight million a year i for duchene stone's gonna get close to 10 yeah i think they're gone i think they're both gone and it's such a shame that this owner is just refuses to pay that kind of money for a player you look it's a superstar driven league now and Eugene Melnick is not willing to pay superstars so in the span of a calendar year because of it they're going to lose Eric Carlson Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne and even possibly another good player like Ryan Dezingle who's I think already at or very close to 20 goals this year because he refuses to spend actual money in order to have a winning hockey team it's pretty pathetic that the league is allowing or sorry it's pretty pathetic that the league is allowing this to happen and not pushing some kind of sale I understand that there's you know, it's a tough process to kind of force legally, but you have people willing to buy this team. You even have an, uh, a, a group willing to help build the, the arena that would help increase the value of the franchise Whoa, how, by however much. Having that arena in actual Ottawa would drive up the value of this franchise, and then Melnick could sell it for whatever he wants and just be happy, but it's... He just throws up his own roadblocks left, right, and center. And it's pathetic that we have to talk about two high-class talents like Duchesne and Stone and then worry about Eugene Melnick in the middle of that. And if you're a Red Wings fan sitting there and go, oh, why should I be mad about this? It's the team in our division making them objectively worst. A, it hurts our lottery odds. And B, it hurts our trade value for Gus Nyquist. Because if Stone and Duchesne and Dezingle weren't on the market, now all of a sudden Nyquist might be the highest producing top six forward available. And he won't be. Uh, Randy Carlisle, do you want to text Crystal and see if she wants to come down here? You want to do okay. it before yeah. overtime? We can talk about Wandy. Randy Carlisle uh, is still gainfully employed as the head coach of the Anaheim Ducks, who are now firmly out of a playoff spot. They are three points out with three teams ahead of them. And own the worst goal differential in the entire NHL. Yes. they Worse than Detroit's. So the 39 goals below uh, average. Um, it's it's a really big perspective thing because as much as we'll complain about Blashill, which we'll continue to do um, when it's deserved, 
there are teams in, in worse situations. Yes, like a team that had their superstar goalie in net against one of the best teams in the NHL and got shelled for six goals in the first period. And Carlisle did not pull him after goal three, four, five, and even had to argue with players on his bench to pull him at six. That's a sign of a, of a team that you have under control. Yep. Um, we're going to get into overtime, which, of course, uh, is brought to you by our uh, Patreon supporters. Um, all of their questions get read out on air, guaranteed as our way of saying thank you. Um, ooh, I think we have visitors downstairs, I though. think I hear a snugs. So we have Mika, who you guys will have seen and heard on this podcast before. Especially if you've ever been on a live stream with us. <laughs> yes. And also, uh, the true heart and soul of this podcast, uh, Crystal. Hi, Mika. Hi, Hi, Mika. How are you? Hey, Crystal. Hi. Um, oh, oh, God. Here, we'll... Yeah, Crystal, you grab that chair over there. Yeah, we've only got two working mics right now. So... So, anyways, we're pretty in unanimous agreement here that Ken Holland is the greatest GM in the history of the Detroit Red Wings. Comments? <laughs> no, she uh, doesn't seem to agree. Here, um, here, you sit here. I'll distract Snugs. For those of you who don't know, Crystal is... Um, the reason we call her the heart and soul of this podcast is because she has let us invade her home for four straight years now. We're nearing our fourth anniversary of it's, this show. Yeah, it's hard to remember. Is it fourth? It's four, yeah. It'll be four now. So um, starting with upstairs, before Mika was even born... Before these two were even married, uh, <laughs> weird. <laughs> Crystal has let us uh, invade her home. So, Crystal, as much as we want to hear your thoughts about Ken Holland first, uh, the Winged Wheel Podcast want to say thank you to you and also happy birthday. Aww. So, this is for you <laughs> from you. us. Look at, me. <laughs> Look at Mika, who's playing rocket ship with dad. So, um, we thought, what could we possibly get you that is um, an escape from our bullshit Thanks, which is just a day at the spa so enjoy that thank you mika can you say happy birthday mommy happy birthday mommy that's thank nice you. say it again say happy birthday mommy happy birthday mommy thank you mika <laughs> hey you've talked as much as evan this episode that's true that's true <laughs> crystal while you're here your thoughts on ken holland being the winningest gm in detroit red wings history uh it's not really something i feel he deserved <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. I really feel. Like, oh, 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 musical oh no, yes. Let me sing you a ba- or play you a ballad. I think uh, that title belongs to scouting and development, and well, up until the past couple of years, prior coaching. <laughs> we have a pretty hard. Li- I thought I was extreme about my opinions. Oh, this is our new intro music for overtime. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. That Thank was. Thank you, big girl. Thank you for coming to Mika's TED Talk. <laughs> so I want you guys to know, if you ever think that I'm a little bit harsh on uh, Ken Holland and Jeff Blashill, this is what um, this is what the average fan thinks. And this is really scaling it back. You should hear Crystal away from a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Crystal is actually... Uh, the only reason Evan and I can bear Brad is because Crystal uh, keeps him in check while we're here. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Although, which begs the question... <laughs> Watch it. Oh, wow. Oh, goodness. This podcast has turned into a zoo. This is just chaos. Yeah. Mika. She's bringing every toy over here now. She does, yeah. She does tend to do that. Uh, so I guess... We- <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's become self-aware. Oh, my goodness. 
Did it start playing when you push it to the I didn't position? Touch it. It's got both sides. Oh, I don't like that. That can. <laughs> oh wow. Anyways, uh, so Crystal, enjoy your day at the spa. Try not to think of this dingus. Brad is uh, will be happy to watch Mika the entire time. <laughs> well, we'll plan it around a live stream, so it'll be like three men and a baby. Yeah, absolutely. What did Mika do during the last live stream? Oh, she, uh, she left. She was there for five minutes, and then Crystal and her went to her brother's. Yeah. yeah. Mika's currently marveling at the rolling of a ball. Mika, do you want to play? Do you want to play uh, overtime with the patrons? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kaylin Wood says, "Howdy, fellas. I was lucky enough to see the Griffins play the Stars on Thursday, thanks to Hams. The seats were right behind the bench, or right against the bench, and it was really neat seeing the coaches and staff doing their thing." What? She just got a megaphone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you buy your kid a megaphone? We did not buy it. Someone bought it for her. Why do they hate you? <laughs> That's one of those things you like uh, dig a hole in your backyard, fill it with cement, and put that in there. Yeah, you never let that thing come to light. Uh, lots of laughs, water squirting and chirps. The game was a blast. Eight total goals scored. Four of them were unanswered by the good guys, and two of them were from Rass, who was such a giant. It was funny seeing him next to Hicketts. Anyways, what is your favorite Fat Boy Super Bowl snack? I'm quite partial to the cream cheese stuffed jalapenos wrapped in bacon. Yeah, you participate in overtime, Crystal. Take it's just something I would never consider eating outside the Super Bowl, you know? It's an exclusive treat I get once a year. Cheers, guys. Keep up the good work. Crystal, what's your favorite Fat Boy Super Bowl snack? That, I don't know, actually. You're all wrong. It's buffalo chicken dip. I was letting you all decide, and it's, I will decide for you. It's you know, buffalo that, chicken dip. Yeah, that is pretty good. Buffalo chicken wings, buffalo chicken dip. End of story. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. It's yeah. gotta be it. It's the wings that do it for me. The, is that? It, oh, it's a ball with more balls inside of it. And, and this also makes noise. Everything makes yeah. noise. Dan Bell says, "Howdy, peeps. Uh, hope you're staying warm up here. I'm outside Chicago, and it was quite chilly this week. Shoveled my driveway way more than I would have liked the last few days. Uh, glad to see the wings beat Babs. Thought Mantha had a stellar game. Came back and broke up the Leafs' rush a few times, and he looked like he had an extra step in his game." Heading the LCA on Thursday for the Vegas game, then off to Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo for craft beer weekend. Just saw Larkin is out for a few weeks, so that's just awesome. Makes me slightly less excited to see the game, if I'm honest. Anywho, go Blue. Go Brady, greatest of all time. Cheers. Brad, what do you think about that? He said, go Tom Brady. Yeah, but he still sits when he pees. (laughs) He kisses his kids on the lips for way (laughs) too long. Antonio says, hey guys, with the polar vortex finally passing, what are some of your... Letting that go without a Tom Brady chirp? I'm disappointed in you. You don't like Tom Brady? Oh my god. He is overrated in so many ways. Do you think he's the greatest quarterback of all time? No. He's gotta be, right? I don't know anything about football, but he's gotta be. No. If you you actually look at the stats between him and... What's the green is Green Bay Packers? Rogers. Rogers actually has much better stats and a worse team in front of him. Yeah, but Rogers' so. family doesn't love him, so yeah, true. Apparently, yeah. he uh, discontinued connections with his family. Yep, yikes for me on that one. And he plays for Green Bay, which is like there are Lions fans. Crystal, remember Green Bay is the enemy. Today. I'm not a Still. Lions fan. I have no Evans. A Lions I'm just fan. all I'm all about the freedom and supporting the troops. <laughs> uh... What's some of your coldest you've ever been moments? For me, it was going to the alumni game in Comerica's New Year's Eve when the Russian Five played Toronto. It was so cold, my beard froze and my mom's Bloody Mary turned to salsa. When we went to the Winter Classic in uh, Ann Arbor, that was freezing. Yeah, that, that was the first one that came to mind for me. Yeah. 
This that was the Crosby Buffalo game, right? No, that was oh. the Detroit Toronto in um, in Big House, Michigan. Um, I think that yeah, the the, the Pittsburgh Buffalo, Buffalo Winter yeah. Classic, yeah, for us. But everyone always, Canada is cold, so everybody always <laughs> says the Winter Classic when they go. It was awful weather. I know. Um. Madness or two madness two is uh, has a few questions. Speaking of Bloody Marys, what's better, a Bloody Mary or Caesar? Caesar. Caesar. I can't drink tomato juice, mm. so <laughs> I yeah I have no horse. Uh, now a hockey question at. F- at first glance of Koskinen's new contract, I was appalled. But then when you dive further and look at NHL goalies making between 4 and 5 mil, excluding Frederick Anderson, uh, I think it looks a lot better. The list is Bishop, Anderson, Luongo, uh, Jake Allen, Dubnik, Antiranta, Cam Talbot, and Scott Darling. Looking at that list, who would you rather have? Obviously Dubnik, but he's being paid about half of what he's worth. And they traded him for a bag of pucks. I would probably take Ranta. He's marginally better in my opinion. And he signed for one less year. Uh, I would take Bishop right now. But he signed for one extra year. And until he's 35. That's a little scary. So I think other than Dubnik and Ranta. Koskinen would be my guy. What do you guys think? I still like um, Dubnik. And I still do like Bishop. So they would be in the conversation as well. It's difficult because um, I'm in the boat of don't pay for goalies who haven't proven that they can be a top level. Oh, man, you can't be the GM of Edmonton. No, I cannot. And so I think Hoskins' contract is – it's a gamble. The guy could pan out. Oh, that's nice. Well, Mika, does that say Sky Zone? It does. (laughs) I'm the the guy who also doesn't want to – Crystal, would you pay Jimmy Howard $5.3 million next year? No. She says no. And I say no, too. And so – can I say that and also say Koskinen's contract is worth it? I'd probably be a hypocrite, but I can see the merit to the argument. Um, uh, tell me one trade that Ken Holland lost. I honestly only think he has lost two. The Eric Cole trade, marginal loss, and the Datsuk trade. I only include the Datsuk trade because he signed Nielsen with the cap space. Fair. Yeah, that's okay. But if it was at the time a run for Stamkos, and I would have rather have seen him take that gamble 10 times out of 10. Um, a trade. He doesn't. He doesn't make enough trades to lose them. Really, the leg one trade was bad. It's this contract signing that's terrible. Yeah, the contracts <laughs> is what does it. The trading of money for services is not so good. Uh, and then he says, "I suppose you could include the leg one trade, but in my opinion, they wouldn't have made the playoffs that year without him. And twenty five looked way better at center ice than twenty three would have." Uh, we have time for some questions from our Reddit thread. Brad, how are you doing in that that tent of yours? What's that? I'm out of the tent now. Oh, you're out of the tent now. I can now. breathe again. Uh, Tragedy says, hey, Ryan, Brad, but probably not Evan. Hey. <laughs> uh, wondering, I was wondering if the milk toast saying came from unoriginal people having milk and toast for breakfast. If so, I'm offended because that's my go-to breakfast. I actually don't know where it comes from. It's spelled with a Q. Milk with a Q-U-E and then toast is right after, but it's all one word. It's like a it's not even a portmanteau. It's, uh, anyways, on a wings note, if the roster is 100% healthy for the entire season, where do you think they finish? Not last. That's for sure. No, not last. Like fifth, sixth last. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, six came to mind right away. Third uh, last. Brad says third last. Third last. Uh, Winged Squigger says, how's it going? It's been forever since I saw this, but at the first preseason game this year, I saw a Wings Zach Nastasiak jersey in the upper deck. What's the most obscure or interesting jersey you'd want to own? Oh, man. Obscure jersey? 
I would want. I already own one of them. Yeah. Oh, you have Evan's a sea lodge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What obscure Red Wings jersey would I want? Maybe like a Boyd Devereaux. That's not even obscure, though. I think if you ask Red Wings fans today, a lot of people wouldn't know yeah, Boyd Devereaux. That's, uh, they're, they're too busy commenting on the Facebook posts yeah, for the Red real. Wings. Is Mrazek obscure? Mrazek, would Mrazek count? Would I bet obscure. in five years he'd be obscure. A Czech Republic jersey, then. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, a Sweden Lidstrom jersey. Is that obscure enough? No, that's cool. No. No, yeah. okay. That's not obscure. My, my bad. Uh, <laughs> Coltron57 says, this one's for Brad since he mentioned his love for Linkin Park's hybrid theory on multiple occasions. What song is your favorite on the album? I'd have to say mine is A Place for My Head. Yeah, that's mine too. That's actually my go-to too. So not to get uh, too uh, unoriginal there, but yeah, it's definitely A Place for My Head. Uh, Jake Nagy 19 says Ken Holland became the Wings winningest GM in history with their win against Ottawa. My wife, aka the number one fan of the WWP's Global Sensation podcast, uh, wants to know if he's just stuck around for that and now he's ready to give up the reins to Stevie, right? Right? No. Uh, I'm sure that win- that record means nothing to him. Um, but seriously, what are the odds of a peaceful transition this summer? This summer, I would put it at 45%. If it doesn't happen this summer, I would say like 85% next year. But I don't think it's going to happen because they asked him to step aside for Stevie to start with and he refused. In the only way we're getting him to step aside is to fire him. And that would be the best day of my life. <laughs> yeah, they're not firing Ken Hall. Hey, listen, your daughter and your husband's over here. <laughs> Crystal is uh, <laughs> is not a fan of the peaceful transition. She would prefer we lay siege to Ken Holland's office. Yes. Um. And the best day of her life, not the day of her wedding or the day of the birth of Mika. <laughs> All right. The best day of my hockey life. <laughs> uh, Crystal, we're the same in that I think we're, you know, we're talkative people, but at the same time, I think we like the quiet to recharge. And I don't know how you survive with possibly the two most noisy humans I've ever met in my entire life. At least Mika has the advantage of being... She's cute. She's cute. Yeah. Brad's not cute. <laughs> you look at Brad, you're like, someone looks like they stuck a straw in your neck and then just inflated your head into a bubble. <laughs> but somehow your hairline stayed intact? I always kind of wonder that. Kimosabe <laughs> um, R22 says, my dream for this offseason was Kako, a new coach, and Duchesne. Am I going to have to settle for just Duchesne? Oh, man, I would be thrilled with just Duchesne. Right? I don't even think Duchesne is like... <laughs> above a 10% chance of happening. Um, any one of those things would be fantastic in my mind. M- least so a new coach, because I think getting Capo Caco or Duchesne would be a little bit more impactful right now. But yeah, I'd be happy with any of them. Uh, How do I Deke says, I'm going to Toronto soon. What are some must-dos? Leave? <laughs> Hockey no. Hall of Fame. No, Toronto's a great city. Yeah, Hockey Hall of Fame. Sand Tower is C- usually must do. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like Ripley's Aquarium. Ripley's, yeah, that's good. Um, Toronto people don't appreciate it, but is one of the best places in Canada to eat. Um, look up the kind of food that you like, and look up like the top restaurants for that food. It's it's worth spending a dime there. Um, if you're going in the summer, Toronto Island is sweet too. Yeah, yeah. If you are going in the summer, get out to the island. Um, don't go to a Leafs game. That's too much of your money. Um, <laughs> Toronto FC games are a lot of fun. Yeah, Toronto FC games are a blast. Blue Jays games. Jays games, yeah. The Dome. Um, and then what's the uh, what's the spot? What's the sports bar? Real, real sports. sports bar. Yeah, real sports. 
It's called Real Sports, right? Yeah. 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 It's insane. Watch it. Watch If you want to watch a game, watch it there. But Don't. you got to go like super early. You're going to wait in a long line. Yeah. Uh, Toronto is legitimately one of the biggest like cities in North America. It has everything to do. In my mind, if you want to experience the best that Canada has to offer, Montreal and Vancouver are your two best bets. But it's not like Toronto, in my mind, is just like other New York in terms of like the kind of things it offers. It's not the same as New York. New York has a little bit of a different character, but Toronto does not have a top 50 in the world restaurant. Uh, the Canada doesn't even get visited by the Michelin uh, guidebook. So there's not, that's not good. No, it's because it's uh, no one. Those guidebooks are, are done on a for profit basis. Right. So no, not enough people are eating at Canadian restaurants for them to spend time to send people there. They don't like read. They don't even get reviewed. Rip. Yeah. Jacobs is really good. Jacobs? What's Jacobs? Steakhouse. Look, look at you. Mika on her giant. Oh man, she's cranking that thing. I hope she doesn't fall back. Oh well. Uh, I think we have some time for our ask WWP. Oh. <laughs> ask WWP hashtag. Um, I have a question while you're looking it up. Yeah. So if we finally get rid of Holland and we get rid of Blashill, which would instantly make our team better in both ways, <laughs> are we finally going to see Abdicator be placed in a position that's suited for his actual level of play? You know, not being a first liner when he's a fourth liner and not being an assistant captain when he is not an assistant captain. I don't think they'll strip away the A, but I think you will see him. If you take the average, like the baseline coach, like not one of the best, but not one of the worst, they will look at applicators play and say, yeah, this guy does not deserve to be on the top pairing power play unit or the, the first line. So yeah, he'll be relegated to the fourth line. Yeah, because cool. right. thanks to Holland, we have players sitting in Griffins who actually deserve a spot, and we're playing Abdicator because we can't ever get rid of that garbage contract. No. Because, no, you know, winning is GM shells out awesome contracts. Crystal, don't think about this when you're at the spa. <laughs> my, my favorite thing is... Yes! Look at nice. Dad. My favorite thing is that before the episode, we made a conscious effort to stop dumping on Advocator every episode, and Crystal breaks it. Hey, it's Crystal who did it this time. Oh, paper towel. Thank you. That's uh, Mika brought oh, us a, a scary one, Barbie doll wrapped in a paper towel. Uh, Lonnie says, Lonnie has a question that says, this is crazy, I know. We trade Larkin to Colorado for both their firsts. Conceivably have a 32% chance at number one overall if Detroit and Ottawa finish at the bottom of the standings. What do you think? There's no chance Colorado does that. Colorado doesn't take that deal, and I don't even think Detroit would make that deal. Why would we? It's you'd be betting that both of those with those first, you get a player as good as Larkin is now, and then someone else worth the cultural and and franchise loss of just trading away the face of your franchise at the moment. Um, That'd be a, a big a big boy play. That would be a big baller move that could go wrong or right in so many ways. Um, Cedo89 says going to my first Red Wings game and I'm from Australia so any tips for my first time at the LCA drink beer outside of the arena <laughs> um, first time at the LCA try the food the food's actually great take a walk get there early take a walk around go see the Olympia sign see the murals um, it's, it's actually it, really cool yeah. yeah 
yeah. It's a really beautiful building. There was supposed to be an entire district built around it. We haven't quite seen that yet. So maybe by the time you get there, there will be um, something. And how many years are they going? Yeah, we'll see. That's the danger of publicly funded uh, arenas. That's why I think it shouldn't happen. Okay. That's overtime. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to talk about a few things. Uh, we are now into February. Um, the trade deadline is coming up on the 25th of February. And so instead of a, and that's a Monday. So instead of our usual Sunday podcast, we're actually going to bump, uh, Sunday's podcast to Monday in the evening. So it'll be right after the trade deadline. We'll be able to, uh, dissect, deconstruct and do everything. So that podcast will be coming, um, February 25th at night. Uh, on the 24th will be our uh, monthly Patreon uh, live stream of a game. So I believe that game is against the Sharks, was it, Brad? Yes. So the 3 p.m. game against the Sharks will be live streaming. Um, and the other thing to mention is that the Patreon-exclusive episode for that month will be coming on the 27th or the 28th, one of those two days, depending on when we can wrangle Evan. Um, that's when we'll be doing our next Patreon-exclusive episode. So we will still have a trade deadline episode on actual trade deadline day and then our primer for that will probably be on the 20th or the 21st so that's what we have to look forward to uh, we want to thank everyone for their support thank you all for listening so much um all of our supporters all of our uh patrons our name level sponsors um sean levine chad hiersack sky carcass arjun shanker clayton van dyken langabeer Derek shippard kaylin wood charlie elkins stan olsen Ryan Lewis, Dan Bell, and Hanley. Thank you guys so much. Uh, for those of you who want to interact with the show more, like us on Facebook, subscribe, however you get your podcast. If you want to leave a rating on iTunes, that does wonders for us. Uh, at Winged Wheel Pod on Twitter. And then go to the bio and follow those accounts. We love to interact with you. And uh, with me, everyone, let's say happy birthday, Crystal. Happy birthday, Crystal. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's our new outro. Thank <laughs> you.